Matters of purity this morning. I think we all need to understand that this is a struggle we all have, right? As we kind of talk about this, in a world that is so impure, we need to understand that God is very clear on matters of purity. I also want you to understand something that hopefully you remember when you knew Jesus Christ as your Savior, when you first placed your faith in Jesus Christ. I want you to understand something this morning, that he began a good work then, and he wants to complete it in you. We need to understand that. So let's talk about this topic, the matters of purity from 1 Corinthians chapter 6, verses 12 through 20. Our first point this morning is an expressed freedom. I'm going to dive right in. We've got a lot of stuff to cover this morning. So the first point this morning, if you're taking notes, is an expressed freedom. We find this in 1 Corinthians chapter 6, verse number 12. Let's look at it. All things are lawful unto me, but all things are not expedient. All things are lawful for me, but I will not be brought under the power of any. Do you understand that that we have a freedom in Jesus Christ? That is a great thing. But I want you to understand something as we talk about this thing. All things are lawful. There's a lot of things we can do in Christ. There's a lot of freedom we have in Christ. And that's a great thing. I think oftentimes, though, we are tempted to minimize the blessings and maximize the barriers. Where we minimize what God has done in our life and we maximize where God says, hey, you can't do this. Right? We go all the way back to the beginning in Genesis. What happened? She minimized the blessings and she maximized the barriers. Right? She said, yeah, God gave us all these trees, but we cannot touch this tree. We cannot eat this tree. And she really maximized the barrier, the one barrier that God put in the garden. They had tremendous freedom, but she really minimized that. I want you to look at 1 Timothy chapter 6. Keep your finger in 1 Corinthians 6. We're coming back. Look at at this verse. Charge them that are rich in this world that they be not high-minded, nor trust in uncertain riches, but in the living God. Look at this last phrase. Who giveth us richly all things to enjoy. Do you realize God has given us a lot that we can enjoy? I, I think it's so sad when Christians walk around and they look like there is nothing to enjoy in this life. God has given us all things richly to enjoy. You can enjoy coming to church, and you should. I've been at churches where it's basically a funeral every service. That's sad. God has given us all things richly to enjoy. It is okay to smile when Dave cracks a joke. It is okay to look at me and smile this morning, okay? I'm looking at some of you. You're not smiling yet. You'll get there. So God has given us a lot of things. All things are lawful unto me, but all things are not expedient. What is this expedient thing? What is he talking about here? This means this, profitable. Okay? God has given us all things. He's given us a lot of things, and all things are lawful unto us, but all things are not profitable. We have tremendous freedom in Christ, but we should never use our freedom found in Christ for our flesh. Do you understand that? Look at Galatians chapter 5, verse number 13. Galatians 5, verse number 13. It says this, For brethren... Ye have been called unto liberty. Only use not liberty for an occasion to the flesh, but by love serve one another. Do you understand that God has given you a lot of freedom, but you should never use it for your flesh, for fleshly gains? Okay? And we're going to get into this. This is all setting up the stage for matters of purity. This is why we need to understand context. Okay? Context is so important. We should never use our freedom to the detriment of someone else. We'll talk about this. Romans chapter 14, verse number 13 says this. Let us therefore judge one another anymore. 
Let us not judge there. Let us not therefore judge one another anymore. That not is important. But judge this rather that no man put a stumbling block on occasion to fall in his brother's way. When sometimes we use our liberty, guess what happens? We use our liberty because I have tremendous freedom in Christ and I don't consider anyone else. Paul is very clear here that we should not put a stumbling block or an occasion to fall in his brother's way. But I want you to understand something. Because we use this sometimes in a way that I don't think God is really talking about here in Romans 14. I want you to understand that we should get to a point where we grow to a place that we are mature. And this is important. Okay? If you have known Christ as your Savior for a long time, you should have reached a level of maturity. Okay? So let's look. Romans 5, I mean Hebrews 5, verse number 12. Hebrews 5, verse number 12. For when for the time you ought to be teachers, you have need that one teach you again, which be the first principles of the oracles of God, and are become as such as have need of milk and not of strong meat. Do you know what he's saying here? He's saying you've known Christ for a while, and yet you're still a babe in Christ. That's a problem. If Pastor Holmes was still the side of Timothy, that'd be a problem. Thankfully, he's not. Okay? If I was still the same size as my little boy Josiah, who is four, there would be a problem, right? If I still talked like Josiah, still had the same maturity level as Josiah, there would be a problem. And yet in our Christian life, so often, we think that's normal. And it's not. Okay? You should, at some point in your Christian life, you should reach a level of maturity. And this is important. Because at some point in your relationship with Christ, you should get to a point where you're not offended by everybody else. Right? Someone else falls into sin, and it should not destroy my faith. Okay? We should reach a level of maturity where I know Christ, and I have a relationship with Christ. And yes, it would be sad if somebody fell into sin, but it should not destroy my faith. So often that happens, though. Where so-and-so, he's a teacher, a Sunday school teacher, and he falls into sin, and that's terrible. And then all of a sudden, people go, I don't know what I believe anymore. They should not affect you. Okay? You should reach a level of maturity. So when Paul is talking in Romans 14 about not putting a stumbling block in your brother's way, he's talking about not putting a stumbling block in a new Christian's way. Because they don't know. They they haven't developed anything. They haven't developed their faith yet. But at some point, you and I should have a walk with God that is so close that really, I'm not affected by that. And I know that's hard this morning, but that is the truth. You have tremendous freedom in Christ, but don't use it for your flesh. Okay? That point is so important because now he's going to talk about purity. Paul is setting you up. Okay? I want you to understand this. Paul does this all the time. He makes a statement. We go, yes, amen. And then he goes, shabam. Right? He smacks you in the face. And that's what he's going to do right now. Okay? Shabam. That's, that's, a, that's a key word. 1 Corinthians chapter 6, verse number 12. We're coming back to it. Let's look here at the rest of this, of this verse. All things are lawful unto me, but all things are not expedient. All things are lawful for me, but I will not be brought under the power of any. Do you see what he's saying here? Hey, yes, I have tremendous freedom, but you should not be brought under the power of anything. In church, there's a lot of things that you can get brought under the power of in our world today. As we look at this verse, I want you to understand that he's not just talking about addictions. And I'm so glad that we have RU Recovery. I'm so glad that we have that ministry. I'm so glad that it's impacting people. But I want you to understand something. When he says this, he's not just talking about addictions. 
That does apply, though. But I want you to understand, this isn't just for so-and-so who's struggling with drugs. So this could be you as well. Or maybe you're brought under the power of fulfilling your fleshly appetites. That's a problem, church. You should not be brought under the power of anything. Here's what I want you to understand something. Anything that hinders my walk with Christ needs to be removed. And that may be different for Barry Halstead than it is for me. And that may be different for Jack Foster than it is for me. And that may be different for Bill Brown than it is for me. And it may be different for you than it is for me. But you need to understand something. Anything that hinders your walk with Christ needs to be removed. This is so important. So important. Sometimes it's that cell phone in your pocket that you need to remove. Okay? So often I'll see teenagers and we're at an activity and what are they doing? They're going this. And they're not enjoying the activity. Like, well, that activity was boring. No, because you were on your phone. That's why it was boring. And church, before we go, yeah, that's teens. No, that's us too. We spend a lot of time on things that really don't matter. Anything that hinders my influence on someone else needs to be removed. Got it? Sometimes we need to do some serious surgery in our life. And we need to say, okay, there are some things I need to remove. It could be a friendship. It could be a device. It could be your time. It could be a TV. It could be a lot of things. I want you to understand that sometimes we need to look at it and go, wait a second. I've been brought under the power of this, and I need it out. Because my relationship with Jesus Christ is far more important. Okay. So our first point this morning, an expressed freedom. I'm so glad for that freedom. And now I want you to understand something. Point number two, an expected reaction. So Paul says, okay, hey, you have tremendous freedom in Christ. And then he goes, okay, this is how I expect you to react to that freedom. Let's look at it. 1 Corinthians 6, 13. Now, this is an interesting verse, okay? Let's look at it. Meats for the belly and belly for meats. Amen to that. But God shall destroy both it and them. Now, the body is not for fornication, but for the Lord and the Lord for the body. Now, he's doing something here. He's giving you an example of appetites. And it may seem like it's weird because he goes from talking about food to now talking about fornication. We'll talk about what that word is because I think sometimes we miss it. But food, okay? Food is good. Amen? Anybody else hungry already this morning? I'm starving. Okay? Food is good in its place. Overindulgence will cause many issues. We have an obesity pandemic in America because we overindulge in everything. Okay? I walked three miles. My my left leg, I don't know why it's just my left, but my left leg hurts. I don't know, I don't know. My right leg is perfectly fine. My left leg hurts this morning. So when pastor's like, anybody else sore? I'm like, half? (laughs) I don't know how to do this. But overindulgence will cause many issues. It will cause you heart issues. It will cause you all kinds of stuff. We understand this, right? Right? It's 2023. We should understand that if I eat too much, it's going to cause me problems. Okay? It shouldn't be shocking to anyone. But don't forget. Your meat that you eat this afternoon will not last. I'll eat, and this happens to my kids all the time. They'll eat, and about two seconds later, they're starving. Right? Hey, Mom and Dad, can I have a snack? Dude, you just ate, and you ate like an absolute hog, and now you're starving again. Okay? It does not last. Okay? Meat in your belly, it does not last. 
Okay, we won't go into the science of it all. We don't need to Sunday morning. But here's the thing. It won't last. Paul then goes from something that we all understand, that belly is good and food is good and it's a great thing, to something we need to understand. Remember, he's setting you up. Okay? Now he's talking about fornication. What is this? This is any act of a sexual nature outside of the bounds of marriage. This is a very broad term. There's other specific terms, like adultery. Fornication is a very broad term. It applies to a lot of different things. Now I want you to understand something this morning. The biblical definition of marriage, now this will get me in trouble, is between one man and one woman for one life. That is how the Bible describes marriage. It is very clear. Okay? Any, set, any act of, of a sexual nature outside of the bounds of marriage is called fornication. Let's look at our verse again, though. 1 Corinthians 6.13. Now the body, look at the last part. Now the body is not for fornication, but for the Lord, and the Lord for the body. I want you to understand something this morning. It's not about you. My mom and dad told me this all the time, that the world does not revolve around Dan Utley. It doesn't revolve around you either. It is not about you. It's not about your appetite. It is about your God. We have to get this. Because if we're talking about matters of purity, we have to understand it is not about me. It's all about him. One day, one day, you will be raised by his power. Look at verse number 14 of 1 Corinthians chapter 6. And God hath both raised up the Lord and will also raise up us by his own power. Do you, see, do you see what he's saying here? Okay, God has begun a great work in you. And you, yes, you have tremendous freedom. When we talk about fornication, it's not about you. It's about your God. Oh, yeah, by the way, your God is the one that's going to raise you. He's, he, he's working something out here. And we're going to get into it more because this passage is not over yet. I want you to understand something. When we talk about sexual impurity and we talk about even appetites... I want you to understand, this is a great illustration, and Pastor gave me this one, so I'm stealing it. I've got to give him credit. I want you to think about a fire. And I'm going to tell you a story that happened to me. It's a true story. A fire inside of a fire pit is a good thing. Right? It provides warmth. It provides comfort. It can even provide a heat for you to cook food. It's a great thing. A fire inside of a fire pit is a good thing. Once it leaves the fire pit, is it a good thing or a bad thing? Bad thing. Now, here's the story. So, I had a Jeep. It's now Silas's Jeep. Where's Cy? Is Cy here? Cy. Cy's got it now. When my dad first said, hey, yeah, I'm going to sell it to you, and he sold it to me for like five bucks, which is pretty awesome. It needed a lot of work, but he sold it to me for five bucks. He's like, okay, you need to get used to driving it. My parents live out in the middle of nowhere. There was a field that was already harvested. So, we're like, oh, let's just drive around the field. No problem, right? size jeep now it's lifted up off the ground it's nice and high no issues at all my brother joe had a jeep and it was low to the ground it was a stock jeep we're driving around in the field having a great time Woohoo! this is great right learning how to drive a stick shift all kinds of fun stuff all of a sudden corn husks got sucked up around my brother's oh you already know where it's going don't you <laughs> got sucked up around his exhaust and he's driving, and he's, you know, acting like an absolute crazy person. All of a sudden, those corn husks caught on fire, and they would slowly drop off of, yeah, <laughs> it would slowly drop off of the exhaust. So we're like, I'm like, Joe, your Jeep is on fire. He's like, what? And so what did we do? We ran back to the house, which wasn't that far away, to get rakes, 
By the time the rakes came back, the fire was very large. <laughs> it was crazy. And to see how fast a fire can move across a field that is dry is a tremendously scary thing. Because it's moving towards our, towards our woods that is leaves everywhere. And we're like, dude, this ain't good. <laughs> and this is burning hot. We had to call the fire department. They came out. My dad had to pay a fine, all kinds of fun stuff. But here's the thing. I didn't have to pay it. Here's the thing. I want you to get this. That fire is a great thing when it's in its place. When it's not in its place, there is big issues. And when we talk about sexuality and we talk about this matter of purity, it is a great thing in its place. God ordained it. God designed it. It is a great thing in its place. Once it gets out of its place, there's big issues. It will destroy and it will take over and it will absolutely destroy your life. So when we talk about this example of appetites, when it is in its place, it is a good thing. Once it goes out of its place, it will destroy. Again, Paul is setting us up. I want you to look down at verse number 15 of 1 Corinthians chapter 6. So, we've seen the example example of appetites. Now let's look at the examination of fornication. First of all, I want you to see its impact in verse number 15. Know ye not that your bodies are the member of Christ? Shall I then take the members of Christ and make them members of an harlot? God forbid. This is pretty, man, that's pretty harsh, Paul. Right? I think we all see this. Man, what on earth? You are joined together with Christ. You are expected to behave a certain way. Do you understand that this morning? When I join together with Christ, Christ can tell me exactly how he wants me to live, and we're going to get at this later. You are expected to behave a certain way. You have been placed into the body of Christ for a purpose. You have been placed at this church for a purpose. Do you understand this? God has placed you here to do something. He hasn't placed you here just to sit. He has placed you here to do something. So do it. Do it with all your might. Do it with everything you have. When we give into our carnal lusts, we destroy this picture where we have been joined together with Christ. Now Paul is saying, what, should I join myself with a harlot? You've been placed into the body of Christ. This is a tremendous thing. When we give into our carnal lusts, we destroy this picture and we destroy our influence. This Corinthians church here in this moment, so I'm so glad that he wrote 2 Corinthians because it's much better than 1 Corinthians. They were having major issues. You've already seen it, right? Last Sunday, pastor talked about litigation in the church. Man, ouch, right? Suing each other. That'd be weird. Can you imagine Aaron Petrie suing Jeremy Bowling? That'd be weird. I just, dude, I had to get you. I had to get you. Here's the thing. It wouldn't make any sense. This church had major issues. But before we go, yeah, that church had major issues. We have major issues. We need to understand this. Why, why is pastor talking about 1 Corinthians on Sunday morning? Because we need to understand that God has very clearly laid out instructions for us, and we're not as good as we think we are. So, it's impact. We're continuing on with this kind of thought. I want you to understand something. As we talk about the impact of it, there's a tremendous influence that this can have on someone else's life. 
So Paul says this statement, should we then take our members of Christ and make them members of an harlot, God forbid. We're going to kind of move into what he kind of continues on here in verse number 16. What? Know ye not that he which is joined to an harlot is one body? For two, saith he, shall be one flesh. But he that is joined unto the Lord is one spirit. You know what Paul is doing here? He's saying, okay, let's go back to a powerful illustration. The illustration of marriage. And to do this, we're going to go all the way back to Genesis chapter 2. Because for us to understand it, we need to understand when God talks about this. Look at Genesis chapter 2, verse number 24. The illustration of marriage. Therefore shall a man leave his father and his mother and shall cleave unto his wife and they shall be one flesh. This is what he's talking about here. Okay? When you get married, you are to leave your father and mother and join together with your wife. That's a great thing. Okay, the principle of leave and cleave. Okay, it's a great thing. So Paul is saying, okay, we understand this. Why don't we understand that when I join myself in fornication, that becomes a problem. Let's look back at our verses, verse number 16 and verse number 17. What? Know ye not that he which is joined to an harlot is one body? They became one flesh. For two, saith he, shall be one flesh. But he that is joined to the Lord is one spirit. Again, he's using the illustration of fornication and our relationship with Jesus Christ. When I commit fornication, when I live a life that is impure in any area, okay? Pornography, lustful thoughts, sexual, actual acts, anything. It completely destroys the illustration that God is giving us about us with our Savior. It completely destroys it. I am married. I love my wife. She's back there with KK this morning. I love my wife. When I do something that is impure, it completely destroys this relationship. Teenagers, young people in, this, in the auditorium this morning. You may not have a wife yet. Okay. You may say, well, I'm not quite destroying the picture because I haven't married anybody yet. But wait a second. You have. What we need to understand as a young person, you need to live pure. I see a lot of young people over here. When, I, when you, you need to live pure because it sets you up for a right relationship with your future, your future spouse. If you're living impure now, those temptations will not go away. I'm trying to see if there's any. Oh, there's one there, two there. Okay. I guess I got to use like this row, this row, and that row. It will destroy your relationship then. If I'm not living pure now, those temptations don't just go away. And we're going to talk about this here in a bit. Because Paul, again, gives us a very, very pointed application that we need to understand. That doesn't just go away. Teens, so you need to live pure. Adults, you need to live pure. Old people, you need to live pure. I'm not calling you old on purpose. I just want to call you, Okay. <laughs> You need to live pure. I'll just make a general statement. You all need to live pure. If we don't live pure, there is a problem. So often we go, well, I live in an impure world. Is this kind of part of life? No, it doesn't have to be. You can have victory. You don't have to live an impure life. You don't have to give in to temptation. You can have victory. And you may say, Dan, but I've already fallen. Okay, well, let's get practical victory now. 
You can. One of the greatest verses here in this passage is the one that Pastor ended up with last, last week. Such were some of you, but you've been washed, but you've been sanctified. That is a tremendous thought. You can be free. You can have victory. You may be struggling this morning, but you can have victory. Don't ever get over that. You can have victory. Not because of you, but because of your God who is working in you. Before we were saved, we were dead in trespasses and sins. There was nothing we could do but commit violations to God's law. But he saved me, and now I can live righteously. It's never been about you. It's never been about me. If I try to live my life in my own power, I will fall flat on my face. Every time, all the time, without exception. Let's look here. Now, its influence, we just saw that. Now let's look at its impact. This is so powerful. This is so powerful because we've got to understand this. Verse number 18 here of this passage, 1 Corinthians six eighteen. Flee fornication. You know what that means? Run. We had a 5K yesterday. I ran for little tiny spurts. I may, okay, I'm a terrible person. Me and my wife were walking, just I was walking alongside, just so I kind of gets ahead, and then I just take off. And then Aaron's like, wait, you forgot about me. And then I slow down. When we got to here, though, on the drive, everybody's like, you can do it. You can run. And I'm so thankful for that. Josiah's like already sprinted ahead of us. He's like 200 feet, probably way ahead of us. And he's already passed the line. And Aaron's like, oh, I don't want to run. Do you want to run? I'm like, oh. And then all of a sudden, she starts running. <laughs> I'm like, oh, we're doing this, huh? So then I sprinted and I beat her. Yes. It was like a photo finish. <laughs> Wonder understand something when he talks about fleeing. He's not talking about this. Get out of there. There is a wonderful illustration of this in scripture. His name is Joseph with Potiphar's wife. Remember that? Potiphar's wife, a very good looking lady. Okay? Well, let's just assume that. Very good looking lady. She says, hey, come lie with me. And he goes, no. And she says, hey, come lie with me. And he goes, I'm getting out of here. She grabs his coat and he goes, and he gets out and he's running. Do you realize the very thing that he left behind is the thing that they used to convict him of his crime? Joseph goes, you know what? It's more important that I leave back incriminating evidence than stay in this room for another second. He fleed. He ran. If my left leg wasn't so sore, I may attempt it, but I'm not going to. And these shoes are very slick, and I'll probably fall on my face because I'm a klutz. Okay? Flee. It means run. Get out of there. Don't, don't worry about anything you leave behind. Run, get out, and we we got to get this. When we talk about matters of purity, this is a very real temptation. And there are going to be some things that you're going to have to leave behind. Sometimes, it's a thing that we think is so vitally important. That we think that if I don't have this, I can't live. Wait a second. If you cannot stay pure... I'd rather you write letter snail mail than have a text. Got it? Sometimes that means, you know what I'm going to do? I'm going to give my phone to my mom and dad because I know that they will check it and I know that they will look at it and I'm going to give my passcode to my mom and dad so they can check everything I'm doing. Why? Because I want to stay pure. 
but damn, that doesn't make any sense. But, it's, but I have privacy. No, you don't. You're a teenager, okay? You don't have privacy. Get that thought out of your head. You don't have any privacy. <laughs> sometimes we as adults, though, we think, yeah, that's true for teens. But sometimes we need to take a radical step and go, you know what? I'm done with my phone. If, I, if there's a billboard that is impure that I, I know is going to be on my road, I'm going to take a different route because I'm not going to look at it. It's getting a little quieter because now we're talking about real life stuff. It's easy to talk about things from a like, high level of intellect and kind of, wow, yeah, I get it. Yeah, I have freedom in Christ. And yes, God wants me to stay pure. And yeah, okay, yeah, I understand that if I'm a member of Christ, I shouldn't be with a harlot. Yeah, I get that, but... Wait, now you're talking about some real stuff, Dan. Yeah. Because this is real. I do live in a world that is impure. I do. There was a time when if you wanted pornography, you had to go to a special shop to go buy something. That's not true anymore. Some things you have to flee. And you have to get out. And sometimes we have to go and say, wait a second, God says this, and my life is not matching up. It's not God's word that is wrong. I'm the one that's wrong, and I need to get right. And I need to say, you know what? This matter of purity is too important for me. It's too important. I'm going to run, and I'm going to do something about it. Look at what he says here in this verse, verse number 18. It says, flee fornication. Every sin that a man doeth is without the body, but he that committeth fornication sinneth against his own body. He's saying, okay, other sins, they're done outside of the body. This means this, okay? I want you to understand this. It does not immediately and directly affect the body. So if I lie, right, and I go, I don't know, who should I pick on? I don't know. I can't do this. Okay? Huh? I can, I'm not going to touch that. Okay? Uh, I, if, if I went and said, man, I wish I had, I don't know, somebody's hair. Okay? And I really didn't. Like Ryan Sinclair. I wish I had Ryan Sinclair's hair. It really wouldn't be that much of a change. Okay? We're both bald. Cool. Okay? That, 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 uh, yes, it's wrong for me to lie, but that doesn't directly affect my body. It can affect my walk with Christ, but it doesn't directly affect my body. Okay? When I sin in a sexual nature, it directly affects my body. The sin of fornication, it is done by the body, immediately and directly affects the body. When you give in to sexual sins, it becomes an addiction. There is a chemical thing that works in your life that all of a sudden it is very hard to break free of. That's why pornography is not something that is easily broken, but it can be. It happens in your life, and it is hard to get rid of because it's not like every other sin. I want you to understand something. It dishonors your body, and it can destroy your body. Think of all the diseases that can happen because you are sexually impure. That doesn't happen when you lie, necessarily, but it, can't, but it does happen with sexual impurity. So when Paul is saying, hey, this sin of fornication is not like the other sins because this directly affects you and it can directly affect your influence and directly influence everything you do. Everything. Church, this is a big deal. 
Matters of purity is a big deal. Don't ever think that, well, it was just one time. No, 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 no. Don't ever think that, well, I just, I just looked at it on my phone. It's not that big of a deal. No, it is. We need to understand this with other sins too, though, because other sins in our life, we may think lying is not a big deal. It is a big deal. Your God is a God of truth, and when you lie, you are violating his character. That's a big deal. When we treat each other in this church with disdain and not love, that's a big deal. When I think about matters of purity, I, expect, I look at this expected reaction. This should be our reaction to everything. I should go, no, I'm not going to allow that, that seed of bitterness, that root of bitterness to start in my heart towards that brother because this will affect my relationship with not just them, but my, reflection with my, my relationship with others because God calls it a root. And he's not talking about a carrot. Or it's just one, right? Think of like an oak tree. It, it is huge and it is broad and it is massive. And when you rip up an oak tree, man, you're going to put in some work. We have to understand this. Yes, we have freedom in Christ, but God is very, very clear on what our reaction should be to these things. We should flee it, and we should say, this is not going to be part of my life. And the whole reason is what we're going to look at now. And this is where it really comes down. Dan, you've already been applying truth. Well, this is where Paul starts really applying truth through through the influence of the Holy Spirit. Let's look here at our Roman numeral number three. Our explicit purchase. I did all these Okay, an explicit purchase. If we look at 1 Corinthians chapter 6, verse number 19. This verse, man, this is good. This, I'm so glad that Pastor made us all read this together. Because this verse can change your life. Look at what it says. What? Know ye not that your body is the temple of the Holy Ghost which is in you, which ye have of God, and ye are not your own? I want you to understand something. And the Holy Spirit is very clear. Your body is not yours. The world says it is. My body, my choice. I can live my life however I want. Wait a second, that does not match up. God says very clearly that it is not your body, your choice. It is not, your body does not belong to you. With that, this is, and this is hard to even read. God has every right to tell you how to live. Ouch. Because you read through scripture, there's a lot of things that he says, hey, you should live this way and you shouldn't live that way. And I don't like those. And I try and go, wait, God, he really didn't mean that. No, he meant exactly what he said. When he says flee fornication, he's not saying if you want to. No, that is a command. That is something you should do. Why? Because God has every right to tell you how to live. He made you. He saved you. Look at, look at what it says here. What know ye not that your body is the temple of the Holy Ghost which is in you, which ye have of God, and ye are not your own? Look at verse number 20. For ye are bought with a price, therefore glorify God in your body and in your spirit which are God's. Here is, here is what he says. He goes, hey, your body doesn't belong to you because you have been purchased. That is powerful. 
God has every right to tell you how to live, and he has every right to go, you know what, in this impure world of 2023, you need to live pure because he has bought you. He made you. He could have said, you know what, eh, they're going to fall anyway. I'm not going to send my son, but he did. He did. Look at the cost that was paid for you. This gets me. 1 Peter 3.18. Look at this verse. For Christ also hath once suffered for sins, the just for the unjust, that he might bring us to God, being put to death in the flesh, but quickened by the Spirit. Christ died for you. That's what that is. You don't know Christ as your Savior? I want you to understand something today. Yes, you may have violated God's law, and yes, you may be living an impure life, but Christ died for you. Do you understand this? Christ died for you. Look at 1 Peter 2.24. We just go over a chapter in 1 Peter. We're actually going to do this a couple times here. 1 Peter 2.24. Who his own self bear our sins in his own body on the tree. Speaking of Jesus. That we, being dead to sins, should live unto righteousness by whose stripes you were healed. Yes, this is so good. This verse is so good. Because yes, Christ bear our, bo- bear our sins in his own body. But look at what it says here. That we, it's over here for you. That we, being dead to sins... Okay? Now I've been dead to sins. I was in the past. Now, how should I live unto righteousness? That's how I should live now. Christ bear our sins that we who are dead in sins could now live unto righteousness. Now I can do what God expects me to do. Now I can live the life that he has called me to do. Now I can flee fornication. Now I can live a life that is righteous. 1 Peter 1, verses 18 and 19. You remember how we, we're kind of going back here. Look at this. Look at this verse. For as much as you know that you were not redeemed with corruptible things as silver and gold from your vain conversation received by tradition from your fathers. Look at this next verse, verse number 19. But with the precious blood of Christ, as of a lamb without blemish and without spot, you have been purchased at a tremendous cost. The price that God paid for you and paid for me is not a price I would pay for any of you. To say, you know what, I'll willingly sacrifice my son for any of you? No stinking way. I'm not doing it. I love all of you, but no way. And when we take it a step further, that he would send his son for people who have violated God's law in a great way. He said, well, I haven't done that great of things. Wait a second. You know what scripture says? You look on a woman to lust after her. You've committed adultery in your heart. Ouch. Wait a second. You hate your brother without a cause. You know what you've done? You committed murder in your heart. Ouch. So you know what we are? We are adulterous murderers in this church. Ouch. Okay, you want to talk about sting? That stings for me. That's just sting for you too. See, Christ didn't die for you because you were righteous. He died for you because you were a sinner. And he paid a tremendous, tremendous price for you. So here's what I want you to understand. Look at, verse, look at 1 Corinthians 6.20. Well, let's look at our verse again. It says this. For ye are bought with a price. Look at the last phrase here. Therefore, so because of what I just said, glorify God in your body and in your spirit, which are God's. Here is what he expects you to do. Glorify him. Amen. Lift him up. 
Make him big to a world that does not understand him. Magnify him. Glorify him. Make him the focus of everything. How? In your body and in your spirit, which are God's. Look, my body doesn't belong to me. Why on earth would I live in fornication? Why on earth would I do anything that violates my God when he did that? Why? Why? You see, this message isn't just for other people. This message is for you. You go, well, honestly, Dan, I'm living a life that is pure. Great. But there's something in your life that you need to glorify God in your body and in your spirit, which are God's. You may be a person that is hateful and vindictive to everybody. Hey, wait a second. You've been bought with a price. Glorify God in your spirit, in your body, in your spirit, which are God's. You may be a person that lies constantly over everything. Wait a second. Glorify God in your body and in your spirit, which are God's. You may say, wait, 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 wait. I'm not that bad. Wait. Uh, uh, whoa. It's just my temper. Wait. Glorify God in your body and your spirit, which are God's. Your body is not yours. That includes every part of it. Every part of it. Not just your mind, your mouth, your eyes, your feet, your hands. Every part of it. Then when we talk about the matters of purity, yes, you have freedom in Christ. And yes, he wants you to enjoy that freedom inside of his boundaries. His boundaries are very clear when it comes to fornication. Remember, fornication is any sexual impurity, any sexual act outside of the bounds of marriage. That's a pretty broad stroke. God is very clear on that. Because as he drives it home, he says, wait a second. This is how you are to respond. You have been bought. You've been purchased. Now, live like it. That's what he's saying here in this passage. It is so easy for us to get off kilter. It is so easy for us to get out of focus and to go, wait a second, but I'm not as bad as so-and-so. Don't compare yourself to so-and-so. Compare yourself to the one that really matters, your Savior. And you'll find that you fall exponentially short. Not just a little. Massively short. The more you spend time in God's word, you'll go, wow, I did not even see that. My eyes were blind. Church, I want you to get this. Because this thought will change your life. Right here, this explicit purchase. What God has done in your life will change your life. If you allow it to. I can't force you. I wish I could. I wish I could do. I wish I could do this. I wish I could say, all right, teenagers, you must read the word of God. I can't. Never been able to. Have you? Never been able to. I wish I could take the word of God and just shove it down someone's throat for them to understand it. That's not how it works. Right? Maybe you just shove it right into their heart and make it just bam, it works. That's not how it works. You have to decide. So will you? Will you?
Surrender to what God is doing in your life this morning. Every head bowed, every eye closed. We're going to have a time of invitation this morning. And I want you, this is what I ask every time I do an invitation, I want you to be honest. Lying during an invitation does nobody any good. I want you to be honest. However God has worked in your life, whatever he has done this morning, we've talked about a lot of stuff, a lot of deep stuff this morning. I ask that you be honest before him.